You can ask yourself the question, is property investment your vehicle for financial freedom? Because if it is, you might want to know how to refinance and get commercial valuations. Isn't that right, Trisha? Isn't that right? This one is going to be the one where you can apply it to many, many strategies. So if, if there are any specific questions you have about refinancing, no matter what level or what stage you are at, then let us know in the comments right now. Let's make sure we've got enough videos out there so people can even get to this stage, get to the place where you've brought an investment property because you know what to look for, you know where to look for it, you know how to work the numbers and analyze the deal and make offers and all of that stuff. And then what you're able to do is take it through a refurb and then get to the place where you've added immense value to a property which then enables you to refinance it. And then on some occasions or most occasions for us, get a commercial valuation. Why? Because we are looking to not just refurb, you know, just to refurbish, but also get um, a conversion on the go. Yeah, so we get an, a conversion on the go. So it's not just, you know, a lick of paint here or there. We convert the whole property. So that is very, very useful. So, Question. Mrs., let's do this. What questions? Get them questions. No, no, there's no questions. Well, if there is questions. Yeah, there I'm is. I'm on it. Yeah, so, it. listen, what I want from you, because this is what happens in, yeah, this is what happens on a daily, hourly basis. Like, questions all the time about HMO, commercial valuations, how do you do it? How does it work? If I'm new in property, there's always questions about it, right? All the time. So this is your opportunity to ask these questions and get your answers live. Because this is a really good subject. Because as a lot of you may know, and the ones that don't know, we, when we started out in property, we did HMO for our first deal. So we, when I learned the numbers in property and what I could make, I wanted to go straight for HMOs because that was gonna get me to my outcome a lot quicker. So when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, what are we looking at on the back end? So commercial valuations is starting with the end in mind. So it's looking at what's the valuation likely to be on the asset at the end, when you've finished, when you've added value or when you've turned it into a different product. So for example, our first deal was one that we bought in Derby for 100,000. And it was just a three bedroom house that was in quite a poor condition. And so we could have obviously done a refurbishment on this and just sold it on as a flip. But we said, this is a great area. It was only a quarter of a mile from the town center. So we obviously knew the demand was there. We'd done a search on the demand and everything. And the end value, because we turned it into a five bedroom HMO with five en suites, and it was revalued at 245,000. So listen, get your questions on here. If you've got any questions about commercial finance and commercial valuations and how to deal with valuers, 
and how to even look at this. How do you value them before they're even done? How do you search those kind of numbers? Lots and lots and lots of questions. Get them on here because I want to answer them and as many of them as I can live. So this one, as I said, we bought it for 100,000 and it was worth 245,000 having spent 64,000 on it all in. So that means that when we remortgaged the property, we got all of our money back out of it, plus we made about 29,000 or so extra. So we made up a flip profit as well. And then we owned this asset that we had no money tied up in that is just an infinite return in the cash flow because there's no money left in the deal. So it's brilliant. So we paid the investor back, they're happy as Larry, and now we've got a great cash flow and asset that gives us a really nice return. But we went straight into that. Now, there are ways, so with commercial valuations, again, the question we get a lot, there's a lot of different speculation out there as to how you can do it and when you can do it, things like that. So if you're brand new into investing and it's gonna be your first deal, Listen, a lot of people, yes, they will say that they won't get commercial lending and things like that. Now, obviously, we're not FCA regulated, so we can't give you financial advice. Always go to your own financial advisors and your brokers and things like that to get that kind of advice. But just in our experience, we can share things that we've found that work and continue to work for us and the rest of our tribe nationally um, and some in other countries because we have people everywhere in real life. So um, it's really interesting that, yeah, we started brand new into property and went straight into commercial valuations for HMO with our first few deals, because what we did was we leveraged somebody else's experience to be able to become commercially mortgageable from day one. So when I found out that, yes, you need to have um, experience to, in property. Now, what the commercial lender wants to see is not necessarily HMO experience, for example, but just the experience that you've ran property as a business, so owned some buy-to-lets or um, bought and sold some and things like that. So you've got a asset that you can show that you've got made money from, paid the mortgages on time, you've run it successfully, that's what they wanna see, before, so that then when they're lending you money, they know that you're going to be looking after them and making sure that they are paid and that you can adequately run this asset because that's what it is it's a business function that you have to look at when it's commercial because that's how they value it they value it as a going concern business the thing is with like hmos and commercial valuations is that when they're looking at the property they are looking at right the valuer will come out to view the property and what he will look for is how easily if we were to repossess the property so if you weren't able to pay the money for the each monthly bill and we were to repossess it from you, how easily would it sell back on? Would it be able to be just turned back into a house and we could sell it on residentially? Or would it need to be sold on as a going concern business? So it's about how much work you're willing to do to the asset as well. Because yeah, exactly. but on, you know, that, on that part as well, it depends how easy it is for someone to just buy a house next door or on the same street or a couple of streets away and uh, do the same thing to it. So, so because like if you want to take a house that you bought for a hundred, spend sixty on it, and then get it valued for I don't know, say three hundred, because that's what uh, yeah. you know that's what 
the 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 what's the thing the thing the rent the rent um, the multiplier yeah the rent multiplier so people are like oh yeah we're just going to go off the rent and then rely on that but if if yeah the rent multiplier adds up to 300 but it's easy enough for someone to buy another house for 100 because the houses are cheap and you can just get many of them and then you can spend 60 on it well that's like 160 so that and that's of, how they look at it yeah. that, that kind of lowers the value of something because they're easier to produce it's like anything the more prestigious the more rare something is then the more valuable it becomes and that to answer your question my friend is how you would ensure that you're getting oh no so he's asking well how would you ensure that you're commercially mortgageable i mean yeah like trisha said getting a joint venture to um yeah, so how we did it, we leveraged. So when, when we were starting, we were like, okay, what do we need? So we needed finance, but we also wanted somebody that was commercially mortgageable right now that we could piggyback off to make ourselves commercially mortgageable. So for example, that first deal we did with somebody that was mortgageable now commercially and could give us the money, because that was part of what we were looking for in an investor, to t team up with them to get the commercial mortgageability and also we were looking for them for investor funds then for the deals after that we were commercial mortgageable because we were already on a mortgage with the commercial bank by that point so all the other deals consequently then made us able to get them by ourselves because we had grabbed the experience from the investor from this deal so it made us commercially mortgageable right now so it's like it's interesting because I agree, like what Mark's saying is, for example, you can have houses that like people buy them, put a bed in the lounge and put a lock on the door and call it a bedroom. Now, I get that that is, and sometimes, you know, and that works it sometimes some does work. So it's a strategy. It is a strategy. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's like a form of doing something. But when we're talking yeah. about refinancing and how many doors this opens yeah. if you understand the steps of how to take a property, force the appreciation because you're making it, you're making it something different than it is for then the bank to be able to say, yeah, use common sense and say, hey, yeah, look, this is now worth this for X, Y, and Z reason. Now those reasons can be different every time. It could be the same. It could be you know a combination. And this is where either people uh, don't understand. Uh, they get they they get very pernickety and they're like oh well you know you're saying it works on the multiplier but this time something got down by it because they said it doesn't work like that yeah because there's multiple different ways that you can do it and it's about making sure that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons that's the real life method anyway but you just you're doing the due diligence up front so you're going through the steps of what it would look like on the back end what what the value is saying how would they do it in that area. Because at the end of the day, somebody has got to go out to that property, use the information available, and then have an opinion on it and be able to back that opinion up with that information. With that's like, a, want, that's the simple as it works, isn't it? Do you it? want to know a tip? Like, we have a really awesome tip. So the way that we buy our property, the way we pretty much do everything, is we do a bridge-to-let product. Now, what that means is, and I find that this is the best for us and our situations, just in our experience, because the valuer is from the bank. So the bank employs the valuation company. You'll always get like a choice of three with certain lenders. 
But the bank, who is generally like we've used Shawbrook, Redwood Bank, there's lots of other banks out there, so you can get your own, um, you know, off your broker on which ones are going to suit you. But for example, Shawbrook will say, so we'll say we want a short-term loan, which is the bridge for however long to begin with, but then it's going to be refinanced on a term mortgage after the renovation has been completed because we're transferring it into a six, seven bedroom HMO, whatever it is, okay? So what happens is they send then a valuer out to say, yeah, it's worth 100,000 now, which is what we're paying for it. And then at the same time, we have to provide the building schedule of works with all the costings and everything on. And then the valuer says, likely at the end, when they have completed works that they have said they're going to do, and with the rents, market rents, blah, 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 it is likely to be worth this. So it's a prop valuation. Now, the prop valuation is powerful in my experience because they're valuing it now to say, yeah, it's worth 100K, but then I've got a valuation from the valuer that's also going to be the same valuation company that comes maybe. back out. In our experience, it's, it's generally the same company. I know, but maybe it can be better. It, can, it, it could can be varied. And but here's the thing got, that people can't handle when it gets but, Well, varied. yeah, but then you've got a position where you've got at least the report that is saying, boom, it was worth this before, based on this, this, and this, this is what it was. it's due to be worth at the end based on what you're doing to it, right? So then when they send the valuer out six months later or however long it takes to do the renovation, then you can say, boom, this is what you said it was going to be worth now that my rents are even higher than you expected because they'll generally go on market rents for the research on that particular valuation instead of what you're projecting because they like my my hmo rooms go for a lot, lot higher than the other rooms for example should i should i stop for a minute because it's frozen am i back yeah so for example like the other rooms in the area will be like 200 pounds a month less than mine so they will go on market rents for their comparables because they have to put comparable sold prices, comparable rents to justify why they've got from 100K to 245,000 because the bank is like, but they're only spending 50. So what, what's going on there, right? So you can imagine their surprise. But as long as they've got evidence, like Mark said, to back it up, then you're fine, right? So I make sure I've got everything that they need and when Mark was saying, like, build the relationship, understand from the valuer's perspective, whenever I'm doing my way and buying it like this, for example, so I'll get a bridge product that's going to switch to a let with the same lender. The valuer comes out at the beginning, tells if, me what if, it's worth. But, like, most of the time, yes. But I, I just want to say that it can, it can vary. And if it yeah. does vary and things change and things come up and down values happen and you know people can, people can we've test it, it happens all the time. You just yeah. need to know how to exit. Yeah, exactly. You just need to know how to handle it when it does go wrong. Because believe me, we have been there with the down values. Like it happens, and yeah, it's a horrible feeling at the time when your stomach is like, "Oh my god, what do I do now?" And your investors going, "My money's supposed to come back," and it's like, ah! me, but, yeah, but the first, yeah. the first time. But when you're in a tribe of people, that's happened many, many times. Then yeah, but you know, you know how to do it. Like when, for example, we had one. It was really funny. <laughs> to me, it was funny. We bought it for 95 and we spent 32 or something on it, made it into a four-bedroom HMO in an Article 4 area. So it was four-bedroom, two-bathroom, small little kitchen area and not licensable. Bought it for 95, spent 32, and the value came back out at the end and valued it at 165. And I was like, 
are you having a laugh? Because the comparables were like 300K, 280, things like that. Anyway, I refused to accept it. And then just because we had a change of heart and another big deal, we decided with the investor that actually, screw it, we're going to sell it. Because again, we always have three exits with any, any property purchase that we go into. That was one of our exits. Let it, sell it as a concern. So we then sold it in three days off market, cash buyer, 250000 So then we put that report into the bank and they then raised a complaint to say, how can you value this property at 165? And within a week, it's sold for 250000 off market. So, so it helps you. And I know that may not be all everybody's situation, but what I'm saying is when you've got the right comparables, you can argue it. I've gone to appeal before, which, you know, not always is a, is a great thing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to that in a minute. But like, appeal is not always a great thing to do because sometimes, you know, values will always want to protect themselves and things like that, which I get. So I've switched lenders before and had to pay a valuation fee again just to go to a different lender. But again, it's like I don't take no for an answer. I just don't do it. So it's how, how hard are you willing to fight? I remember there's a tribe member um, from one particular area. They had been to a local PIN meeting and the person running the PIN has been investing in that area for 15 years and said, there is no way in hell you will ever get a commercial valuation in this area. I've been trying 15 years. I've got this this property and I've never been able to achieve it. Well, she went through the real life training and she achieved a commercial valuation on her first HMO. So it, honestly, there is a method on how it can work if you just follow the strategy and follow the steps. So, so if someone's asking about buying a four-bedroom house, do you have any deals, good deals back in Hampshire? I'm not sure what you mean, but if you're looking at four-bed, turning that to HMO, then that's good. Let me yeah, know what question really you deal. have with that. But someone's saying, if you don't have any credibility, is it possible to still get a refinance? So, you know, credibility in regards to what? Doing HMO projects? I mean, we just... So is that down to experience again? Yeah, it comes down to experience. But then it also comes down to... Look, if this is what you want to do and this is the game you want to get into, then joint venturing is the way. I mean, I think joint venturing is the way anyway. You know, one of my goals is to have over 100 joint venture businesses. Why? Because I want to bring experience and I want to, and I want to share with people and I want to learn and grow from them and their connections and their growth as well. Because the more people you help get what they want, the more that you actually get what you want exactly. and how you can deliver. So getting a joint venture is going to give you the credit. Like, if there's any concern you don't have the credibility, then you've got to find someone with the credibility. You know, because we found many people, what, like, we have people with high-paying jobs, which the banks say, yeah, well, okay, worst-case scenario, they can cover the payments between them. We've had people who have uh, a, a number of HMOs already themselves, so clearly they were commercially mortgageable. But they weren't doing it. We had people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they didn't want to do it because of yeah. the time or they've been through, you know, they've had their stage and moved on to other things now and just was like, well, yeah, yeah. I'll put my money into this deal if you guys are going to do it. So that's another one. I think there's another question that probably is similar to answer to because what if your joint venture is commercial? Is, Isn't. Yeah. Well, let's, let's face it. If a requirement is to get a commercial valuation or you want to be in a good position to do so, then that would have been ironed not, out before you got to that point. Well, that's not the joint yeah. venture for you in this yeah. particular deal. Yeah. Maybe there is a, a, another deal that you guys can hook up on. Because remember, one of the best ways to, to even start considering a joint venture is that you have something they don't and they have something that you don't 
because then you can work together and it's more valuable and it's it's just a better foundation to even start considering exactly and it's always remember as well as joint venturing with somebody that has got experience there are many other ways to get commercial lending as well so this is just one strategy that you can look in that's really really useful but you also get a great commercial broker as part of your power team and then start speaking to them from the earliest convenience about the type of deals you're doing the area that you're doing them at and get them to know your financial standing and then they'll be able to best advise you on, okay, these kind of lenders are looking more favorably on new investors right now, so you could be looking to work with these. You know, they'll be able to tell you which lenders are more favorable, because there are lenders out there that will lend to first-time HMO landlords as well. You just might not get the full commercial valuations yet, um, but it will at least get you on the ladder for experience if that's your outcome. I wanted to get all money out of my deal. So I said to my broker, what do I need to do to be able to get commercial lending from a commercial bank right now? Because I wanted the full 75% loan to value as well. I wasn't willing to take 60 and 50% by going and learning with some banks. So he said, the best thing you can do is partner up with somebody that has experience right now, and then you will be able to piggyback off their experience and therefore get in with the bank. And I said, right, okay, brilliant. I'll do whatever it takes. So that's what we did at the beginning. But like I say, there are other options that you can utilize to get to that point. There's guarantors for your mortgages that you can use for experience by giving them a percentage of the cash flow. You know, there's loads of things that you can do, adding people on as directors in the businesses, as shareholders, whatever, you know, lots and lots of ways to be creative with the strategies and, um, <laughs> this is funny. Yeah. So do do you always go for lower value houses yeah, to fun. start with? Okay. So, so it's funny because people are always saying, oh, you know, below market value and cheap house and all of this. You've got to remember that do not get clouded by what people say they value is or the asking price or any of that stuff. It's all about the difference and the gap you can create between what you're buying the property for and what you're going to spend on it and what the done up value is, especially when it comes to refinancing, but any deal as well in terms of how you want to have the equity and the money and the money in there, because that's, that's really important to just realize that they're really the only numbers you need to take care of. Yeah. What, what, you know, what's it being, what are you paying for it? What's it going to cost? And what's the done up value? And you need to create the biggest gap. So don't get clouded by only looking for low value properties. I'm not saying don't go for them. In fact, do go for them. But you want to create the biggest gap. Yeah. So if you are on a street where generally the houses are, let's say, I don't know, two two twenty. Uh, I'm just thinking of one that we're doing right now, yeah. and we managed to get it for one eighty. Yeah. Then, and it was in Article Four as well. Then that is already lower. So instantly creating a bigger gap between what we're buying for and what we're going to spend on it, and what the done up value is. Yeah, because we all we did was got change of use and and, <laughs> yeah, and, then, and, then, it, and then time the exchange the exchange and completion to be very quick after and the valuation went up what yeah, seventy when, grand yeah seventy five grand yeah so 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 all we did was change use and the house is worth seventy five thousand pounds more than what we paid for it and we haven't even done anything yet so again creating more of a gap and like what you're that, because the thing is. Um, you want properties that are commercially mortgageable to start with. So, for example, you can't look at getting 
three and four bed houses generally through on a commercial valuation. Um, in my experience, I have managed to get a four bed through on a commercial mortgage um, and valuation, but that was because it was in an article four area. So there are some caveats that you can look at based on that. But you were looking at least five, six bedrooms for HMOs and where possible, always add en suites into the rooms. In my experience, that obviously makes it a fully fledged commercial unit because then in that house, it's you can't just repossess it and sell it to a family because there's en suites in all the rooms, waste pipes everywhere, only one central communal area in the center of the house, very commercial, all your full-on alarm systems, emergency lighting. We, we have ongoing businesses. So if they were to repossess the house from us, they've got fully let, very high rent coming in as well, um, and an excellent asset that is being maintained continuously. So that the bank are happy to lend on something that they know is going to be a valuable asset to lend to. And they know that by what you're going to do to it and the experience that you can show. Or it's like we were at the beginning and we created a relationship with the bank. When you get, so when you're starting your lending options for your HMOs and whatever commercial lending you're looking to do, find out who the valuers are that are coming to the property. So I, I want to know who is it, obviously, because most of the time you'll get to choose. But if you don't get a choice of which valuer and it's just one person or one business, ring the company and find out who it is that's coming. I want to know who it is so I can start speaking to them, creating relationships, saying, look, I've got a list of comparables. I've got a list of what I'm going to do to the property and the schedule of works and everything. I'd like to send it to you to make your yeah, life easier. Because it's part of the due diligence to yeah. understand what's it going to look like on the back end. Because again, done up value and then the valuation that finally gets done is going to be someone's opinion that's backed up by information that's available. So by speaking to the people that are actually going to do this work, it just makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, it's just a part of your due diligence and what you need to do. We've got another question here. Is a JV slash investor that is commercially mortgageable that only means to start the journey uh, using this model? I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say so. No. Uh, I mean, I think we were I mean, just it, saying I before. Mean, it, it wouldn't, I mean, the question before was how do you ensure? You know, you said how do you ensure that you get commercial valuation? And that is have someone in the team, a part of the job, a part of the company, you know, on the mortgage that is commercially uh, mortgageable. Yeah, another another way, like Trisha was saying, is the bank just needs to see how you are going to pay it back. We had someone in our tribe raise over half a million um, pounds in commercial finance uh, purely on the way that it was going to be, how the payments and how it was going to be repaid. Yeah, so again, that's another way of just being able to show and prove that how, this is how the payments are going to be remade. Uh, remade to you and 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 how you're gonna make sure that you know you can fulfill the lending you know because that's the beauty of the commercial there is the common sense right yeah i'm look, sure anyone would say they that. look around it a lot more like reg, you know residential lending is is regulated so they're not so open-minded about stuff but see that question so no that's not the only way that you can get commercial lending by doing a joint venture and stuff like that with other people that's why I have an excellent commercial broker in your team, not somebody that says they're a commercial. Like, I'm going to get on PC here, but like, do you want honesty? It's real life, right? So in my experience, there are brokers that say they are commercial, but they're not. 
they're residential brokers that you know deal with lenders that will lend on a commercial asset but they're not commercial so i could name and shame lots of banks on here and i'm desperate to do so but i don't want to um but no but there are certain lenders that i just wouldn't work with and they they get thrown out there to people that are new in the market all the time saying use these because they know you'll get a mortgage with them but when they then come back and say well where's my commercial valuation you won't get one with that lender because that's not how they work so there are lenders that will work with you when you've got no experience and if you get the right broker they'll know how to position your application to the bank they'll have great relationships with the commercial lenders they can give the advice on your experience and the way that you've looked at it and how you've looked into your builder and everything like that and your plan because it's all about like what are you going to do and how are you going to manage this then? Show me how, you know, strong you are. Like we had a call with the bank. We had a call with the commercial bank at the beginning and said, look, this is how we see it. We have this many deals. We have this build team. Mark was like, I used to be a builder. But again, I'm not saying you have to have been an ex-builder, but like, listen, no, explain talk, to they, them they your talk, background. They talk to you. And here's yeah. the thing, like you've got to stay in communication just because you don't know the answer to something or you can't come across squeaky clean people just shy away from it. Look, you don't need to know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. Yeah. For sure, I don't know all the answers. I mean, Trisha might know all the answers because she's always right. But I, I don't know I don't know all the answers. I know that for You're sure. You're always left. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so but there's even people out here, you know, Sam is saying technically you don't need a uh, commercial experience. Again, he's saying he uses a long-term buy-to-let landlord experience and then they yeah, say exactly. that you don't the need, to be able to do it. You don't need to have had HMOs before. Like I said at the beginning, you just need for the for the fully-fledged commercial banks, they just want to see that you've ran a investment property for a period of time and successfully paid back the bank over a period of time. That's, that's what it is. That's why a lot of them will say six months, 12 months, things like that. But you can go straight into HMO and have a great lender. There are lots of lenders now that are being a lot more um, savvy when it comes to lending to first time investors, as long as you are strong, as long as you um, have good feedback, as long as you do your due diligence properly, obviously just make sure that you work your numbers and start with the end in mind, looking after things properly and get an excellent broker in your team. And if yes, you want to go straight in for the big stuff, then look to work with a joint venture that has commercial experience already. There, it's absolutely a wonderful way to start your journey, gain an experience and knowledge off them as well, but getting straight onto the commercial bank from day one. And just having like something that. on your books in terms yeah. of, yeah, this is my experience as well. So uh, we've got a question here. What are the three typical exits for HMO that gets, for example, undervalued? So how do you get out if you want to do that? I mean, as, it's worth mentioning when it comes to, you know, undervalued or downvalued or whatever terminology people want to use. In our experience, there's two types. Yeah. One is it's undervalued by a few thousand here or there, sometimes 10 or 15,000, 20,000. And that is just kind of like here or there, here or there in terms of the judgment or the end result or what information was available to back up the opinion. Then you've got undervalues that are like 100,000, 100,000 plus on the down valuation, even when you've got the information that says it's, it's plus. I remember when we got that. Yeah, yeah well, hold on, because the first, <laughs> let, let's cover the first type. The first type is um, just 
you know, it is what it is. And usually we wouldn't do anything about that. We, we wouldn't like, you know, want to contest it or anything because we'll just use another deal that we got more money out to supplement it or that you can do a flip. Yeah, you can do a yeah. flip to generate capital income in the same company to be able to, you know, so, yeah, for example, money out. If, your, if your HMO was down value by 20,000 and then you did a flip that sold with yeah. 20,000 profit, then it evens out across the two deals. Yeah, or, or now you've just got like a guaranteed return that you can pay an investor for the money that's left in. So when you say exit, that's cool. I mean, you know, obviously selling is one, contesting it another if it's a big one, but also another exit is using another, pro and this is the beauty of when applications open for come deal with me. So come deal with me, you guys, like no matter what happens, because let's face it, everything goes wrong. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why I want to do this. That's why we are going to record every step of the way, come deal with me, where we do a deal with one of you going to come deal with us. And, you know, even if something like this happens, you get down value and we can't get the money out, then what we'll do is we'll just do another project with you. This is how, this is how it's going to happen because don't think you're just going to come deal with me and do one deal. We're going to set up or set you up or enhance what you've already got so you can run multiple projects to scale and build your wealth quicker. So you, you want to stay tuned and subscribe to YouTube channel, our Facebook page and Instagram, LinkedIn, because when we release the applications, you guys are going to get to apply and then there'll be a winner who wins that prize. But just going back to this, so you can either sell it or then you've got a fixed or you've got income coming in, so you, it's it, an investor's like, yeah, okay, so from month one, when my money goes in, I can start receiving passive income from my money. You know, so that's, that's another way. Uh, yeah, Kura saying, yeah, it works by following the steps. Prime example, because you, oh, were, yeah. you had a massive down value. Yeah, yeah so me, me and Kudra, it's really that's funny. Awesome. So we had a, um, we had a first coaching call with Kudra, and we were talking over this deal and it was HMO commercial valuation that she was hoping to get. And I think the number that we were looking at at the time was what it was coming out. I was about 230,000. And I was like, are you joking? I was like in that area for that much rent and what you've done to it, you should be looking at at least 350,000. So we went back, we redid the deal, went to the broker and she got a hundred thousand extra on the valuation. So she made a hundred thousand in one coaching call. She was delighted and couldn't believe it because of just following the system, doing it properly, putting it across properly. So how long does the refinance process take from start to finish if you buy a property for cash and refinance after refurbishment? So when so I know obviously you're asking that. I mean um, so so refinance process. So for example, with with yours um what is how long will it take generally with well, yeah, with, with any, what I do on my properties is by when there's about six weeks left, between five and six weeks, I start my refinance and I also start my tenant letting. Yeah, but on a general basis, as well. how long does it take, roughly? So from refinance, so if you're doing a bridge to let product, generally takes between four and six weeks to do the cash? switch. Cash if you're doing it cash, it so it's just a new mortgage, so five, six weeks. Yeah, okay, good. And then um, exactly what Trisha said, she said six weeks, she starts I start it. six weeks before because you do your paperwork. Yeah, and and then... What an easy way to explain is that you want to time the project 
it depends now it depends because if you want if you just want it valued based on you know the, the project is finished and the conversion is done then you time it to have the valuer come around by the time that is finished we literally the builders are leaving and the valuer comes in and then the tenants move in after yeah, when yeah. they well, don't want it to go in before yeah, they mess that, the room but that's the next part the next part is it depends what you want to do do you want it as as the builders are finished so immediately as soon as it's like viewable in the finished state or do you want the value to come around when you've got all the asts so that the tenants have moved in because you're going to use that part of your well i will say or, or get it fully let before or even as soon as it's finished and then the value comes around and before they've moved in you can say yeah but look at all the asts and they're like oh my god so it's fully let before it's even finished. That's a huge boost for him because then he's like, that adds to the value. It shows that demand must be really high. Oh, great. Yeah, so you, you've, got, you've got to be um, putting yourself in the most strong position because I, I don't like to have any void. I want to make money from day one and I want to get my money back on my refinance as fast as possible. So I will time everything into the minute detail of literally builders are leaving valuer is going in within the hour and then tenants are moving in either that same day or the following day because it's just you know quick and then from the moment the valuer comes around to do the valuation on the property when it's finished he'll take five days to get the report back generally it takes between five and seven days and then the bank will then get the offer out to you within five to seven days and then once you've got the offer then you look to draw down within a week so it's a very, very quick process from that point. So I'll ask some questions for you. Um, so what, oh, how do we find commercial brokers? So you can ask for recommendations online. So we, we have access to so many amazing groups online for property forums and uh, things I like know, that and I going know. to like pin I, meetings. I know, I know, I know a decent uh, group online. Oh yeah, maybe there's so a few. Real life or something like that? Oh yeah, real, real life. life worth creation. Real life. So yeah. We've got really good groups online. You can go in there and ask for recommendations. There's a lot of brokers um, that people are working with successfully, getting really, really good results. Um, so there's lots and lots of ways that we can do that. And um, definitely, you know, you're in the tribe, so we can help you. Um, what is the best source to find a local commercial value in your chosen area? So in my opinion on that one, they don't have to be local. So our broker lives in Essex, so it's from like Colchester area. Um, so we, we obviously live a good two and a half hours away from him. It doesn't have to be someone local. It has to be someone that has a great knowledge in the industry, knows how to deal with down values. Like that's my thing. I'm like, how do you deal with a down valuation? What would you do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? Because when I can understand that he's got the strong gumption to fight for me and my deals and things like that, that's somebody I want to work with. Not somebody that goes, well, this is the valuation number, I'm afraid. So, and I go, okay, well, that's clearly a joke. We can't accept that. Yeah, what are we going to do? It's to do the you know? right job. Like, you know, someone's job is to make sure everybody is a winner. So the bank is covered, they are covered, we are covered, people are making money, we're using the bank for the purpose that it's meant, meant for, to be which is yeah. like leverage so we Commercial can we can do lending. more and we can add more people uh value to more people and we can scale quicker yeah yeah well a question has come up again 
can you ask for a commercial valuation on your first HMO? Let me tell you, my friend, you can ask for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can ask for anything. But yeah, I mean, at the start of this video, we did cover that. But again, it's going to come down. Yes, you can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can ask for everything. But ask for it and get it. It's like, yeah, having as much information as possible, like getting it fully let, rent out, and you know, the rent's coming in. You've got the ASTs to show that. But then also what's your credentials to be able to, you know, foresee this through. If Each bank has their own lending criteria. So that's why I have an excellent broker to understand which banks would be the best ones for you to work with based on your background, financial standing, credit experience, etc. There's a lot, 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 lot of things um, that come up commercially. But like Mark said before, commercial lenders are a lot more um, open-minded and they'll look at the background of the situation, forward thinking um, and looking for, okay, how is my asset protected and how are they going to fund my income, my, my payments on my mortgage? Once you show that you've got a great asset, um, that's paying really good rents and it's showing that they're going to get their money back very easily by the rents, that they're happy, you know, and based on your experience in certain banks will have different lending requirements. Some are very strict on two, some are like two, three years experience. Yeah. You know, awesome. so some are. So this is regarding article four. So do you purchase subject to get in planning permission for HMOUs? Have you ever pulled out of the deal because you could not get planning permission? So thank you for the question, Clive. So we excited I am because this is my favorite subject. So with our Article 4 or any area, so any area that you require planning permission, so it might not be an Article 4, but we needed to wait for the actual completion of the purchase because it was going to be turned into like a 7-8 bed HMO. So we needed to get change of use for Sui Generous. Um, instead of just the normal C4 class. So yeah, absolutely. We'll get the offer accepted. And then I'll say to the agent or the vendor directly, I'll say, look, I'm, I'm happy to buy it for this price. So we'll agree a price that they're happy with, I'm happy with. Um, it's not ripping them up, um, as we've seen in another forum. You know, it's good, for the it's good for the vendor and for me. It works for both of us. So we'll agree a price between us. And then I'll say, look, I'll, I'm happy to complete within the normal conveyancing time of eight to 10 weeks. Um, so I'll get everything done in the background and I'll keep you informed of how things are going ahead. Um, I will be putting a planning application in. So I just need to make you aware because you're currently the legal owner. Obviously, you need to be aware that I'm putting this notice in. Um, but, you know, everything's good. Right. So then I'll keep them in the loop. If it's an Article 4 area, for example, my planning agent and architect are really important part of my team because we'll know things about like how long. Um, was it that the last application was successful in this area or was it declined in the area? Like, is it on the rise? Is it showing that um, we're more likely to get it through? How much percentage is there currently HMO in that area? So there's lots and lots of factors that we factor in when we're offering on properties, especially in Article 4. But in the Sweet Generous, I'll just ring the council and say, how likely am I to get this through? And then if they don't really give me answers, I'll get my planning agent to ring them up because they'll maybe have a better relationship, etc. And you'll build that up over time. We've never pulled out one. Uh, we've never had to pull out of a deal because we've, you know, because it's the, word, step, but yeah, but the no, steps so we've used. It's the steps we use to do the due diligence yeah. beforehand. We've never failed we, to get one through. Yeah, before we even get into the situation. I suppose the toughest one was where we were battling 
getting, yeah, yeah, getting the, the change of use, and then what came up was some flood reports. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that another, that's another games. story for another day. Uh, but yeah, excellent. That's good. So for first time, in terms of starting out, how much would you start with? Are you, talk, are you, are you talking capital in terms of what you're investing? If you are, then you need to make sure you have at least zero. Well, yeah, you don't need any money to start out. You know, if you if you got time, you're going to put it in, and you're going to and you're going to learn and be coached by people who not just know how to get results for themselves, but get results for other people as well. Yeah. And you don't need any money. We we we're only just starting to put money in, and we're not yet, but maybe the next deal. Yeah. But we've built a portfolio of nearly eight million pounds in just under two and a half years, and we use zero of our own money. So if that's what you mean, then you don't need anything. What is a typical valuation multiplier? You know, it, it probably is fair, fair play. You could say between 8 and 12, would you say? Yeah, between 8 and 12. It, the well, thing, but don't, what just, but I don't do, rely on that, though. Yeah, and what I do, like worst case scenario, is I look at things this way, that I'll do rent, annual rent at the end, obviously, annual rent times 10 minus 25%. As my worst case scenario. Well, that's so figure, funny because isn't, right? it, isn't it just time 7.5? I we say this, but every I just time. like I just, it does every it to time. me every time. But it's one of the things more things on the you know, what is in different areas, like I know some areas is times by eight from a values perspective in commercial. I know in some areas, yeah, it's times ten, but I know in like our article four areas of which we have two, that's like times fourteen, times sixteen. Like it's crazy numbers over there. The best thing to do is get on the phone to your valuer that's coming out and ask them. And also when you're at the property, have the conversation. Well, that's nice. Yeah, what we're going to do now um, is we're going to answer as many questions in two minutes as we can because people uh, in the real life tribe, you have your mastermind at eight and I want to give you the for who's watching on here, I want to give you a break so you can freshen up and get ready for it. So look. Uh, do you typically go for 10 years fixed terms on lending? Yes, uh, we do. We yeah, always no, get 10 no, years. No, 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 it depends what it is. Generally, it depends what the product is and it depends what it want to do. But I, but I like to get 10 years because then I know where I am. Two minutes, as next... many questions as possible. Okay. Like two minutes per question. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your biggest challenge in the first year? I'd say the biggest challenge for me was trusting the process so that it's just going to work. Anything for you? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge in the first year was... Um, Uh, okay, so how, how do you how do your challenges differ now? Um, how do I find a building that can host at least 250 people to run an event from and own it? We want to own that building, and how do I buy a hotel? That's the challenges. The now. different challenges that I have now is um, trying to find people that can come on board and work with us full time to deal with the systems and things so that we can go and do what we're really skilled at instead of you know spending a lot of time on accounting queries and all of that kind of stuff which i'm being totally honest i would rather do anything else than deal with bookkeeping and accountancy stuff but it's all part of life and business and you have to learn so that's challenges that, awesome uh, so i'm glad you turned up and showed up here if you didn't see the whole thing when this is finally uploaded go see it uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because we don't just have videos like this that are like 34 minutes long. We have like two minute, five minute, 10 minute videos where you can learn little niche bits about all different areas of property investment. So real life wealth creation, go subscribe uh, because also that's where we're going to be releasing the come deal with me at 
process when the applications open. Uh, we got on Instagram, we're Real Life Group on Instagram. Follow us on there. Follow me, Mark Harvey, Trisha Harvey on LinkedIn, and then Real Life Group is on LinkedIn as well. Um, just, just you need to be everywhere, baby. When's it going to be with me? Info going to be released? It's going to be towards the end of this. Uh, tell me. No, <laughs> it's going to be very soon. It's, and the reason it's going to be very soon is um, we want to get this going, right? Because it's going to be so much fun. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so much fun to do. And I'm sure for you guys, it's going to be so much fun to watch. But look, if you want to go deeper in any of this, you want to scale your business, you want to scale not just your knowledge, but the implementation of knowledge. That's very important. It's yeah. not just about the knowledge. Yeah, knowledge is opens up space, but now you've got to fill that space with impact that you can bring. Then you want to come to the one of our next events, Real Life Property Wave, Real Life Property Wealth, which is now a two-day program. Oh my Why? God, there's so much amazing value that we're giving that we have to now spread it over two yeah, days. Yeah, baby, two days. I take transform too much your time life. on the one day. It was, it was my fault. Two transformational days that is not just the logical information is also the information that you require to implement not when you get home after the event in the event on the premises in the room right there that weekend so make sure you do it the next one i don't know when you're watching this video but the next one is uh 14th and 15th of September. So go to reallifepropertywealth.com and register your ticket now for free. Why for free? Because I want you to try before you buy. You know, so we'll give you two days for free. And if from there you want to go into, I mean, there is enough information in there to get your rock and roll in. But if you then want to go further, faster, in different directions, across different creative strategies that build you long-term wealth, but also give you uh, cash now, or you might want to go some of these details, or you might want to go on some mentorship. You know, it's all available to you. But this two-day, and we don't mind doing it for free. Why? Because this is part of our mission. This is part of what we do. And this is why one of the reasons that we wanted to be financially free in the first place, so we can do what we love, travel all around the world with our family and friends that we now have, close friends that are like-minded on the same mission as us. So much love to all of you. Guys, if you're in the tribe, you've got your mastermind starting at 8 o'clock which is where we answer any questions, deal with anything that comes up for anyone in the tribe, such a strong, loving support network. Yeah. One of the major reasons I'm told by other people that their success is what it is because they've got people there to support them. All you need to do is show up and take advantage of the resources that the Real Life Tribe offer, and it is impossible to fail. You, but you've got to show up and take advantage of the resources. Now, some yeah. people do it in days. Some people do it in weeks. Some people t take a few months and a bit longer. But that's okay as long as you stick at it. What are you saying? Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see whoever is going to show up for themselves, show up for us. Just bring your energy. I guarantee when you leave the event, after the two days, you're going to have more energy and adrenaline than you've ever felt in your entire life in your being and everything and everything will change from that point forward you'll see everything differently like that's when people leave the event 
they always say, oh my God, like I've just been in my own way up until this point and now I know what I want, I'm going to go get it. And yeah, they just feel love, they feel the support, they feel the network and just, yeah, let's just come and have some fun with us. We want to see you there, we'll have some fun with you. So thank you for your amazing Oh, good questions. baby, good job, you're amazing. Good job. Uh, much love to you. Do the right thing for the right reason and figure out what real life is for you. See you soon. Bye-bye.